Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Saturday, welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Zerda. Kansas City Chiefs are gearing up for a Week 10 contest against the Jacksonville Jaguars, so we've got plenty to cover on today's show. We'll start things off with the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. They had their marinated takeaways from Sunday night's win against the Tennessee Titans. After that, it's out of structure, projecting some... Chiefs question marks as we head farther into the season. After that, it's the Great British Chiefs show. They break down our full Jacksonville Jaguars preview. After that, we'll take a quick timeout. And when we get back, we'll catch up with Chiefs coast to coast as they discuss Odell Beckham Jr. and his continued interest in the Kansas City Chiefs. After that, we'll wrap things up with show and BK previewing what the Chiefs will do on Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Maybe they'll actually run the ball and what else they have to do offensively to make sure they leave Sunday with the win. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Oh, yeah, back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Beautiful production by the great Arrowhead Pride podcast producer, Steve Serta. You know what that music means. It's time for our world-famous marinated takeaways. The Chiefs coming away with a 20-17 to 17 overtime win over those rival, I guess, kind of rival Tennessee Titans, maybe. <laughs> there, yeah. I'm one of a rival, I guess, with all the chirping that went on this week. More, more on that in the, the third segment. But let's get into the marinated takeaways from this game, John. And as we always do with this segment, it's age before beauty, baby. So you get to go first. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's hear what you got. Well, one of the things that uh, – one of the many things that struck me about this game uh, was that the Chiefs, they mentioned this in the broadcast last night, that the Chiefs were number one in third down conversion percentage uh, going into this game on offense. And the Titans were number one at preventing third downs on defense. So, you know, it's the classic um, uh, immovable object versus an irresistible force thing. Mm. And yet the Chiefs were 8 of 19 for 42% on third down in this game and two of two for a hundred percent on fourth down. So, um, you know, I, I think it goes back to, I think it was Matt Stagner who said in his prediction for the game that we've now established that it doesn't matter whether the chiefs are playing a really good defense, they're still going to be able to gain yards and put points on the board uh, in this, in the case of this particular game, not as many as we might've expected, obviously, but um, the team is good enough on offense that they can succeed about just just about any kind of defense. That, that's one of the things that struck me about this game. Yeah, the Chiefs ended up with 29 first downs. The Titans had mm-hmm. nine first downs. And there were some defensive adjustments into the second half. We'll hear more from Steve Spagnuolo on Thursday. If he could remember you know, what he did in this game, a lot of times he's like, 
Oh, you guys got to understand. I'm very, very forward looking here. So I don't even know. Um, but I'm curious as to, you know, what specifically they they emphasized in, in the second half, because they only allowed 10 yards in the one first down. And that was a huge reason that the Chiefs had so many opportunities to, to keep going. Right. One of 11 mm-hmm. on third down for the Titans in this game. And so the defense was able to step up. I agree with you. I think. I think the Chiefs offense, especially the passing game, can win against anybody. And it doesn't matter if a team comes in with the top defense. We saw that with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? Right. Mm-hmm. They were allowing nine points a game. I know it was early in the season, but the Chiefs completely dominated that game. San Francisco 49ers, they're known for right. their defense. Mm-hmm. They, the Chiefs scored at will very, very quickly in the third and fourth quarters there. So uh, I'm with you. I, I think that's important to remember. My first marinated takeaway has to do with this kicking game that is suddenly a, a concern Uh-oh. of people. Here we go. And I am not, I am not as panicked as everybody. It's, I'll just, I'll just yeah. say that I think I think Harrison Butker's in a little bit of a rut. I don't think it's necessarily the yips, but I am going to give you my panic scale number. So this is of course 10, 10 scale of the panic scale. I think it's a four. I think it's a four. I think if he has one or two good games, we're not really going to really talk about it anymore. And I think he has that in him. I think it's been a weird case. I also think it. I think the injury hurt him. I think it, he's been at a tough time coming back from the injury and getting into a rhythm that he might have had had the turf not been bad in Arizona. But I think four out of ten is fair because I think we're right on the cusp of this becoming an issue. And it doesn't make sense that he seems to be more apt to hit the long field goal than the short one. And to me, that that's a, a mental thing. I think a very under talked about part of 13 seconds is Harrison Butker hitting the field goal. Uh, he needed to hit that field goal. I mean, he could have missed that, and the Bills could have advanced, and you know, the Bills might have been Super Bowl champions for all we know. We don't know if they would have ended up beating Cincinnati Bengals. I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt, at least for a few more weeks. But it is something that is on the radar now. But I'm I'm not ready to m- make it a, a deal, but I feel like he needs to correct us quickly. I think that's about right on your your concern scale there. Yeah. I I think if there's anything substantive going on, if it's not just a question of him, you know, being in some kind of a mental rut or something, it's that he maybe isn't a hundred percent yet. I mean, you have to consider that possibility that, you know, it's an ankle sprain on his plant leg. It's kind of a big deal. And I should, and I'll give you a, I'll give you a factual thing that you can hang your hat on. I think the chiefs have a little bit of concern too, because, Matthew Wright is still on the practice squad. Yeah, that's what I was just actually going to say. I mean, that, and then yeah. that's a that's a that's a good point. I and we've seen him out there, and the Chiefs are really good with their roster spots. I mean, we've seen them play with them a lot. I there's a reason he's still there. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. what what exactly that reason is. Like maybe yeah. it could be performance based. It could be a little bit concerned about his injury, but right. he's still in the building, and I. I'd imagine that if the Chiefs felt really good, whether it be about Butker's health or performance, they'd be using that roster spot on somebody else. Because right. again, they're just very, I, I guess, I don't know, maybe maybe there's a, a bias here. I guess every team across the league probably uses their roster spots in a, in a smart fashion. I just feel like the Chiefs are very shrewd sometimes. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You, you know, you understand why they're doing right, something. Right, right. But it, there is a, there is like that underlying question is what is what is he still doing here? You don't really need right, him anymore. Right. I imagine that at a certain point, someone else around the league is gonna is gonna poach him. So you, you you'd hope that the Chiefs figure it out you know sooner rather than later. I do wonder what the leash is. I mean, I I think it's long. I think it's long. I think mm-hmm. Butcher would be. have to would have to mess up for. Um, 
I'm gonna try to think about that too. I would say if there was problems for for another three weeks, we would maybe start to hear, you know, it is right. Oh man, if we have problems for three weeks, there's going to be a lot of a lot of screaming going on about it because we've already got people screaming about it. So, but I, I agree you, with I'll you. I'll tell though. you in in watching Wright and watching Butker, there's a you hope that Butker figures it out because he definitely has more power. I mean, there's a certain sure. sound when Butker boots his ball. It's like it's like a gunshot. Like Matt Wright just doesn't have <laughs> the distance. He, he just, you know, he, I mean, he, I know he was able to get the record or whatever. That felt like miraculous. I, I, I know whatever, I know there are more concerned Chiefs fans out there than, than I am, I think, right now. But I would, I would tell you, I just, you should hope that Butker figures it out because I just think his distance is unmatched mm-hmm. to an extent. And he's the complete package. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, we, we should know this. We should recognize this and just accept it for what it is. This is the best guy the Chiefs have ever had. I mean, yeah. there's just not really, you know, it's not really up for argument. And I, he's, you know, not the top guy in the league, but he might as yeah. well be, you know. Yeah. Jan, so, uh, Jan Stenerud, you can you can email me, peter.g uh, at Sweeney at gmail.com. I'll forward your complaint to to John about uh, you calling <laughs> Butker the, the, the best that she's well, ever had. But I mean, in terms of percentage and stuff, no, and his know, time, Jan was the best. And I still believe that. But I know, we're I know. not in that time anymore. I know, I know. I'm just kidding. All right, let's go with uh, your next marinade takeaway. We, I think we spent four minutes to five minutes on kickers, so I think I think we're good to move on. <laughs> that's yeah, that's probably plenty. Yeah. Um, I was just struck in this game by, despite how wrong we were about how it was going to play out in terms of the score, I think as, as a staff, our predictions were for a 12 point port, point spread, um, and it turned out to be three points and a lot fewer points. Uh, we didn't, you know, no, we didn't even come close to the over/under in this game. Um, but still, a lot of what we talked about turned out to be right on. That the key to stopping the Titans was going to be Derrick Henry, and uh, that if you could do that, you could control the game. Um, you know, of course, being able to succeed more more often on offense and get some points on the board when you're getting marching down the field would have been better right. too. But uh, there were a lot of things that we predicted about this game that turned to be out, turned out to be right on, uh, including the quality of the defensive line, uh, the necessity of stopping Henry, as I already mentioned, uh, you know, the question marks about Tannehill and Willis. Uh, and when Tannehill was not out there, it was it was all Derrick Henry. I mean, it's mostly Derrick Henry, even when Tannehill is playing, but it sets up the passing game. And the Titans just completely ignored the passing game. I mean, you know, just right yeah. almost right away. So a lot of what we said was right. We just thought there'd be more scoring than they than there was. And that isn't always the case. So I thought this that game, was interesting. This game was a good reminder that any team can be in any team in the NFL on any given day. Right. Mm-hmm. You had Willis versus Mahomes. And before the game, you're just assuming that the Chiefs are just going to easily do this because they can zone in on Henry, which, you know, they largely did a good job. It wasn't for those two chunk runs. Like, mm-hmm, it was right. a pretty nice job. Now, now those chunk runs are included, so you can't say that completely, but it, and I'll, I'll go a step further. I mean, I don't, I know it was a division game, but I don't think any of us thought the jets would be able to outlast the bills. And suddenly the chiefs have the same record as the bills after this particular week, but that's it, man. That That's why, you know, it's, this is a very hard thing to predict. We spend all day on it. And a lot of us were wrong. 
about this particular game and kudos to the jets for, for getting it done against Buffalo. And now you have the pressure that's shifting back to Buffalo, right? So you have this next coming week where the chiefs take on the Jacksonville Jaguars and who knows, you know, you suddenly have the bills facing a seven and one Vikings team who looks pretty good. I understand the games in Buffalo, but could be waking up a, a week from now on this editor show. And a couple weeks later, we thought the, the AFC was over. The Chiefs might be in the driver's seat again. So we will see. Anything can happen in the NFL. I think that's a important thing to remember. My next marinade takeaway is that Patrick Mahomes being the whole offense is fun, like we saw last night, but it isn't sustainable if you want to win a championship. And mm. I look no further than than the Super Bowl against the Bucs in Super Bowl 55, um, where... You know, it, it really just came down to it felt like Patrick Mahomes was the only thing. Now, this was these are two different circumstances, to be clear. They're they're not they're not perfect examples of each other. But I just think, you know, at a certain point, Patrick Mahomes running around back there, it, it's fun. And it's good that it worked for this one game against this team that is clearly not as good as the Chiefs. But and it goes back to my like running running game point and having a more complete offense. I just don't think that you can assume that he's going to be able to do that every single game. And so. Here you are. You're in, you're in week nine. We talked about how you have nine games left to kind of right this ship. And so there's plenty of time to figure it out. But I just I think the guy is amazing. I think he needs the whole offense to contribute. And that goes from Kelsey and Smith Schuster and Hardman and MVS to, to some of these runners, just taking the pressure off of Mahomes and, and allowing these other guys to shine as well. will even make Mahomes more efficient. And, and so I don't know. I just think I think it's a point to say where I, I think they need to figure this thing out where it's just a more complete offense. I, we kind of went into it last segment. I kind of stepped on my marinade takeaway, even though we, we changed the whole thing around. So we wouldn't do this again. <laughs> but I kind of explained what I was I meaning before. But I, I just think that's something I'm, I'm feeling like it was it was definitely fun. And it's amazing to see Mahomes take over a game at the end. I just I don't know if you can win a championship that way when you're playing playoff teams. And the Titans may be one of those. But when you get there, it's probably going to be Tannehill, right? So it'll be even a, a, a bigger challenge um, because I think this offense is built around Tannehill right now, not Willis. Uh, but I, I just I think this this offense needs to be more complete when you're playing the top seven teams in the AFC. All right, we are back here on the AP Out of Structure podcast. Appreciate you listening. We're talking Chiefs, Chiefs Titans. We're just talking all things Chiefs, right? You know, we're just we're just going through. Um, but, you know, actually, we're going to be talking just NFL right here because this is a good question we left you with at the break. Nate, you got to answer this for me. Would you rather, and you, I guess you are talking from a Chiefs perspective, mm-hmm. see the Tennessee Titans or the Miami Dolphins in the postseason? Well, I have a take about this. And while I don't think the Dolphins are the best team in the AFC, they're the team I do not want to see in the playoffs at all. Ooh, I think that oh, is yeah. a terrible matchup for the Chiefs. If we're going to talk about their defense, like the Chiefs' issues on defense have been obviously covering at the second level, stopping, you know, routes over the middle of the field. And arguably the team that is going to attack you the most is Miami because Tua is, he's just a point guard in that offense and he's so accurate over the middle of the field. And Waddle and Hill are so fast. Like, I do not like the idea of Nick Bolton, Leo Chanel, Willie Gay trying to zone off against these guys. Nobody, no team's been able to do it so far this year. And that's like by far the Chiefs' biggest weakness. You can't press Will Hill or Waddle. They're too fast. Like there's absolutely no chance the Chiefs can get hands on them. 
And I don't know if the Chiefs have a dominant enough front to really like affect Tua enough to where like he can't like accurately throw passes to them. So I'm I don't know if the Chiefs would be able to generate a lot of stops. And while their defense is definitely bad, they're fast and especially on the defensive line. And I would worry like they're actually kind of built to stop like a spread offense like the Chiefs. So if the Chiefs weren't able to like physically outmatch them. I'd be a little worried like that the Chiefs, like they would still score a lot, but I don't know if they'd be able to sustain an entire game. Um, and I, you know, you could maybe say the same thing about the Dolphins, but I actually think the Dolphins defense matches better with the Chiefs than vice versa. So yeah, I want to avoid the Dolphins at all costs because I mean they're undefeated when they're healthy. The offense is just an absolute machine. And you know, Tennessee's a good team, but I'm not sure they could win that game they played last night again. I think it'd be a lot more in the Chiefs' favor again. Yeah, I, I that's a good point. I agree with that. Uh, no, I, I, you know, this is a tough question on the surface, but I think for all the points you make, I agree with you. The, the Dolphins, you know, in, in today's NFL, it's just about it's about scoring. It's about playmaker, especially when it matters most. You know, I know, you know, it's just not defense wins championships anymore. It's just not how it works. And the Dolphins have the, the best playmakers, you know, potentially a re- receiver in the NFL. The Titans just don't have anybody like if the titans still had aj brown i just feel like that's just one Mm -hmm. weapon that scares you as a passing threat i really feel like you you they have a recipe to beat the chiefs we talked about that a little earlier and and obviously they've been a thorn in the side of the chiefs and and trust me i don't want to see derrick henry in the playoffs but it just doesn't matter as much if they don't have the passing threat to to really double down and that's why you're able to see teams just completely lock down and stop henry because they're gonna let let leave their corners one-on-one with robert woods and and Westbrook Akeen, Akina, whatever, you know, it's just yeah, Chris ridiculous. Conley. <laughs> Chris Conley saw a target yeah. in this game last night, people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's crazy. But um, no, I, I definitely I, would say the Dolphins too. They have more ways to beat the Chiefs than the Titans do. The Titans have to stick to a yeah. very specific script to beat the Chiefs, and they're like the less talented team. The Dolphins can win it a bunch of ways because they don't have to be perfect on defense because their offense can match so quickly. They would just need a couple stops. I'd still pick the Chiefs to win. Let me make that clear. But I would be biting my nails the entire game because I think they can score faster than anybody in the league right now. Yeah, I, I agree. Tua, you said point guard. I think that's a that's an accurate description, and, and he's playing very good at, at point mm-hmm. guard right now. All right, well, let's get into some mailbag questions. And actually, we're going to lead off with, with one that wasn't actually submitted to our mailbag, but was a tweet that I found interesting from one of our own at AP, Tom Childs. He edits the Arrowhead headlines, the Arrow headlines uh, every, every, every day. And he just tweets out, rank the Chiefs receivers as of right now. That's all he says. And, of course, we need to now rank the Chiefs receivers and I'm going to go with wide receivers. I don't think we need to just – I don't think, you know, we include tight ends here. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to start out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start out here because I think at first you got to go Juju number one. I feel, I feel like that makes sense. Um, and he has earned that at this point. But after that, I feel like it already gets tough at number two, right? <laughs> I, I, I do think MVS gets the benefit of the doubt. I think he has done enough this year and, and has proven that kind of, you know, the, the his role and, and when it's, it's being used – is valuable and, and you know and, he, and he's he's been a you know he's gotten close to 100 yards in games i mean he's been a top targeter i think he's number three on the team in targets so mbs number two i'm gonna go mccall three though i think mccall has earned that number three spot do you agree with me on that note though nate i feel like that might be the one yeah. maybe spot first of all that uh that we might slip up there 
No, I mean, I think you can even make an argument for two for McColl, honestly. Oh, yeah? I think okay. that's clearly the top three. Okay, okay. Will, would you make that argument for McColl at number two? I think I think you can make the case. I've actually been pretty like okay with how McColl Harmon has played this year, all things yeah. considered. Like yeah. He hasn't made as many mistakes. I feel like his routes are a little bit better this year. Um, MVS makes more mistakes, and I don't think he has quite as many like game-breaking plays as McColl. I mean, they're close, but I actually think if you maybe say like, who would I feel better in like in a high level situation? I think it might be McColl. Okay, well, I, I think you know the more time goes on, the more it's hard to 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 disagree with what you just said about you know McColl has in his especially you know they each have their own roles, and I know McColl mm-hmm. sometimes his role is a little less of a receiver, more of just a you know get the ball in his hands, but. I mean, that is his role, and he does it very, very well. And, and that does at some point factor into how you were used as a receiver and how you're evaluated. But that's the top three. Number four, I'm going to go ahead and say it's Kadarius Tony. I think he's <laughs> number four right now. Um, and I think number five is Justin Watson. So guess who that leaves at number six? That's Sky Moore, which kind of sucks to say, but I just feel like that you kind of just have to do it at this point. Do you have any different of a list than that? Uh, no. And – like we'll see what Tony like brings this offense. It's too soon to say too much. Although he looked good yesterday, but yeah, you know, Sky. I was high on him to start the season, and he is getting more snaps and stuff. And it just hasn't happened yet, and it might not happen this year. Like it could be he's more. You know, it's a rookie. He's going to take longer to develop, but it really doesn't feel like Sky Moore is going to have a role in the offense this year. Yeah, and and I just really do feel like. There is something to uh, what we saw yesterday or yeah, Sunday Kadarius Tony gets forced out the ball in the first drive, you know, obviously the first play of the game, but then we also saw that little, you know, that little pivot route, that little yeah. you know, option route uh, over the middle. And, and we saw him, you know, create separation that way, that right there in a little microcosm, a little video clip, mm-hmm. little Twitter clip is exactly what we need for, or the chiefs yes. need from, from their wide receivers, uh, you know, especially outside of, of Travis Kelsey, and and we saw Tony do that right there. And so that's where it's just like for, for them to get him so involved so quickly and for him to also do succeed, you know, obviously in one, just one play, but succeed in the way they kind of need someone to succeed. That just really does point to me that he, mm-hmm. he is going to continue to get a role this year. And that's where, yes, Sky is going to maybe be the long term option all of a sudden and, and, you know, maybe not see much, much playing time. I don't know. I is that the right way to to do it? Are you you know are you upset that they didn't try to stick to Sky a little, you know, ride him a little harder? I don't know. Are are, are there any f- further feelings about this situation right now? Um, well, first you got Tony. His quick twitch agility movements. He's not as game breaking speed, especially vertically, as Tyree Kill. But I honestly think he's like ninety five percent of what Tyree Kill is in terms of like his fluid movements. It was one route, but like he changes his speed and his tempo so much. He is really like a pretty sharp route runner, which mm-hmm. I did not think he was at Florida. So he's developed there. So I, I hope he you know is able to pick up the playbook because I do think the Chiefs need his just like underneath like movement skills. I think that's going to mm-hmm. pair well in this offense. And yeah, I, I don't think it's too soon to say like Sky Moore, you know, was worth the draft pick or not. But it just I just don't think it's going to happen this year. I don't think it's anything bad. It's going to take time for him to develop chemistry with Mahomes and learn the playbook. You know, Andy Reid receivers typically don't flash a ton as rookies. Even Tyreek Hill, like yeah. he didn't do a ton until his you know second, third year. So I'm not super worried about that long term. I think there's too many positive traits with Sky for him to fail. 
but I just don't think it's going to be this year, and I don't think that's a bad thing either. Okay, then, uh, let's move on, shall we? Because uh, we're just going to get stuck in a rut there talking about the Jets and Zach Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> so the Chiefs are back at Arrowhead again, mm-hmm. this time against the London Jaguars. Sorry, the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> and uh, we've, got, we've got a preview to do, mate. We've got a preview. We've got to preview this game. Now, I thought it would be best to look back at just the previous game that the Jags have done because they've had a bit of a mixed bag this year, haven't they? They've not been particularly great in some games, i.e. the Broncos game that we were at in London, which was that was a snooze fest, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and we were actually questioning the fact that you tanked for this guy, you tanked for yeah. Trevor Lawrence. What are you thinking? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I'll admit, he actually looked half decent in this in this Raiders game and to 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 pull it back as well against the Raiders I mean the Raiders went off into like a 17-0 lead yeah. and somehow some way Trevor Lawrence managed to you know drive the Jags back into into contention and actually win the game out of it which Trevor Setien did but yeah come <laughs> well yeah Etienne did yeah he did really but um yeah. but I'm questioning now because I was thinking before I thought oh the Jags are going to be a rollover but when you look at the players, like you said, from Etienne, uh, Trevor Lawrence, um, and Christian Kirk, who had an, an, a, a great game as well, yep. you start thinking, are they really going to start kind of causing us a bit of an upset in this? Because, yes, they've been a bit of a mixed bag as they were trying to find the feet a bit this, at the beginning of the season. But they're a three and six team now. And I'm starting to worry about these lesser teams, let's say, and, and I say in quoted. Are you worried about the the Jags in this game, especially after what you've seen against the Chiefs with the Titans? Not in the slightest. But <laughs> honestly, not in the slightest. Not, not in the slightest. slightest. No. But look, we we it's... we literally watched this team play live in person nine days ago. Yeah, and they are they were one of the most underwhelming poor outfits <laughs> I think I've ever seen live in person. They are they're just not it. They aren't it. And. I, you can argue that Trevor Lawrence is playing better. Yeah, he's. I think he's had two games in a row now where his passer rating was over 100. Yeah. How his passer rating was over 100 in that game in London, I do not know because he just wasn't good. And on Sunday, yeah, he played pretty well, but they're playing the Raiders. And the Raiders, now we know, are, are, are a terrible, terrible football team. Yeah. All the Jags needed to do on Sunday was remember, actually, that Devontae Adams guy, we should probably cover him. Um, because that's what they weren't doing. They were just letting Devontae Adams have the run in the field and they decided to play some defense. Yeah, they've got some pieces on defense, the Jags. Absolutely have. Josh Allen, what a player. An unbelievable player. The Chiefs reportedly were in for him a couple of weeks ago. They made a call about a trade. The Jags said no. And what a difference he would have made to the Chiefs, by the way, if had he come along and been that second um, defensive end. Yeah. But... I just look at the players they have on offense and I'm just not scared. Like... Travis Etienne, great player, but we just played the best running back in the league and we managed to shut him down for the most part. Mm. Receiver-wise, they've got Zay Jones, they've got Marvin Jones, they've got obviously Christian Kirk, all good players, but they're all like, they're very similar to like the Chiefs receivers that we have our outsiders usually. They're like the types of MVS, they're like the Sky Moore. They're okay players, but are they something to like be scared of? Probably not. Christian Kirk, by the way, is my least favourite player in the NFL because he's the reason why Tyreek Hill doesn't play in in Kansas City anymore, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. whoever decided that, whoever decided to sign off on giving Christian Kirk that $19 million a year contract 
is probably my least favorite person in the world because we're after what we're watching Tyreek Hill do in Miami, by the way. That's a completely different story. But yeah. anyway, back to Trevor Lawrence. I just don't get it. I don't because maybe, maybe my my I don't know the way that I assess young quarterbacks has been totally completely blinded by Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, maybe if 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 a young quarterback isn't to the standard that Mahomes was in 2018 or 2019 or anywhere close to that standard, maybe I just think they're yeah. maybe that's the problem. Don't want to know about them. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and maybe I'm just a bit arrogant and a bit ignorant when it comes to uh, young quarterbacks. But I'm just not impressed by the guy. Yeah, he has a cannon for an arm, but he just makes so many dumb decisions yeah. with the football. And I just don't think a quarterback like that and a team like that have what it takes to come into Arrowhead on, on like on a noon game in Arrowhead where traditionally teams just turn up and get battered uh, and get rolled over. It's not like the prime time slot. The prime time slot is when you want to play the Chiefs in Arrowhead because we always struggle in prime time at home. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's when that's yeah. when you want to be there. But this noon kickoff game at Arrowhead, it's just not going to be cool. It, the Chiefs just aren't going to be bothered by this. They cannot play as bad offensively as they did. Last last Sunday, I don't think feel like the Jags have the pieces on defense, especially along the defensive line, to cause the Chiefs as much issues as the Titans did. They haven't got the defensive minded coach like Mike Vrabel, who comes in that kind of Belichick type of thinking that can influence the Chiefs' offense to a point where they can basically shut them down. Mm. It's Doug Peterson. He's Andy Reid's old running mate. Yeah, we're going to see some funky things from the Jags on Sunday. I have no doubt about that. They're going to try and pull out all the stops. But I just cannot, for love nor money, imagine a world where the Jags, the way they are, three and six, have literally just lost five of their last six games. The only one that won it was against the was against the Raiders. I just cannot imagine a scenario where they walk into Arrowhead and and knock off the Chiefs. Uh, I just yeah, I can't see it. I'm I'm absolutely fine about this game. So it's to the point where I'd probably be okay with not watching it and just checking out the a replay later in the day. Having a sleep. <laughs> yeah, honestly. I think what it is for me, I think the doubt's probably crept in my mind a little bit because I've seen a very run heavy team really kind of handle the Chiefs. Mm. And 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 obviously that defense is like you said, yeah, the front you know, the front defensive lines were phenomenal for the Titans. And the Jags really haven't got that. But the way the Jags are almost balanced, I mean, you can look at it in the stats, you know, the the, the Jags passing game is on par with kind of what the, the, the running game is as well. And we've mentioned Etienne for that. But um, that's the thing that's kind of worrying me a little bit because I think the Chiefs were very hell-bent on, on stopping the run and everything, which they're going to have to do against Etienne. But there is still that threat there, I think, from Christian Kirk. Um, and and possibly Trevor Lawrence. Um, who knows? I mean, he hasn't got the wheels like maybe oh, he can. He can move. Yeah, Trevor but he has, can move for sure. It's not what he does often, is it? It's not what he no. does like you know. Yeah, well, you say that he ran to great he ran, effect. He ran six times on Sunday. Yeah, but he did, yards, so. he doesn't do it to great effect, does he? Uh, which you probably expect from uh, you know some of the top mobile quarterbacks anyway. And I suppose the other thing we have to bring up as well is, is uh, I mean, Trevor Lawrence has done, what, 11 touchdowns this season, all season, compared to Mahomes is like, what, 22, 21, 22? Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's he's not the gunslinger that uh, that we should all really be fearing, I suppose. Um, but 11 touchdowns passing, 11 touchdowns rushing. So to say they're balanced um, <laughs> <laughs> would, would be an understatement, but they're just... They're just not doing anything uh, offensively that I imagine will scare Steve Spagnolo compared to what 
we just played in the in form of Derek Henry. Yeah, there's probably multiple more options for the Chiefs to defend, but I, I just I look at it and I think the Chiefs just have more than enough to be able to handle this this Jags offense. And defensively, the Jags just don't scare me. They don't. Uh, they scare you one bit. They don't like. It's, honestly, it's, it's, it, it sounds incredibly disrespectful, but I just have no like. To be honest, I think it comes from a little bit of almost. I think annoyance from seeing them the Jags. at the game, isn't it? I think that's yeah. What it's I just, I do, do you know what it is with the Jags? I just think I'm done with them. I genuinely, <laughs> I, I, I am. As and and Americans won't understand this, but imagine like being excited about. I don't know. Imagine like you being a massive Premier League fan, right? Mm. And you're like, I can't wait to watch Premier League football. And then every single year they're going to bring a game to Kansas City. But every single year the game they bring to Kansas City is a is an Aston Villa home game. <laughs> like, yeah, it's middle of the road crap. Yeah, uh, yeah, it not even that. It's probably Aston Villa was a bad example. I don't know. Let's say a Burnley home game. Like <laughs> a Burnley. A Burnley home game. Yeah. A team that's always going to be about the bottom. Never really. They might venture into the top half of one season. But they're Premier but, League. But they're Premier League. <laughs> that's kind of how I feel about the Jags. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm I'm watching the Jags. And do you remember, like, they, the Jags and the Chiefs, they both sucked at the same time. They were number one and number two in the 2013 draft. Oh, God, yeah. And we played them, remember, in the first game yeah. after, the, after that, in that opening week in Jacksonville. And I just look at the, those two teams that are here in rock bottom and just how they've just gone about their business in completely different ways where the Chiefs have just gone up and up and up and steadily just been incredible when we're now in a golden age of, of Chiefs football. The Jags had that one season in 2017 when they had a hell of a defence and probably Miles Jack wasn't down and yeah. they should have made the Super Bowl. But outside of that, they've just been, frankly, terrible and it's not like they don't get a helping hand they are in the worst division in football year in year out yet they're still bad yeah and they wonder why they have to they wonder why they can't sell out their stadium why they're stay, staying half empty because they're just a terrible football team so they're, they're just one of those franchises that i just cannot get behind i just i just do not i basically don't respect them <laughs> in the nicest possible way i just don't respect them as a football team and whilst i have that opinion of them I, I feel like it affects my analysis of the team itself. And therefore, when I, I see a team like Jacksonville, led by Trevor Lawrence, who I don't think is particularly very good against a team like Kansas City with Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes, I just cannot imagine a world where the Jags will even run the Chiefs close. Well, let's talk about another guy that people are looking forward to. And you have been... Hey, honestly, you intro it. This this is your man's. I'm gonna pass the mic to you, my guy. All, all you. All right. Well, I guess you're referring to the three letter guy, uh, <laughs> OBJ. Uh, his parents named him Odell Beckham Jr. So yeah, obviously on Twitter yesterday, if you haven't seen it, him and Michael Parsons had a back and forth. Fan duel tweeted out a picture of him in a Cowboys jersey. Then Michael Parsons came in and said, "Hey." Let's do it, OBJ. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, right? I don't know the exact quote, but he said basically, in, all, in less words, basically come to Dallas. Then OBJ responds talking about how my dad's side is down there and, 
you know, let me know what's up. Basically, I want to go and win all that stuff. And you couldn't let this happen. You saw I this. And you got- I'm like, get out of here. Let me jump in. I was actually in the same thread. I, I didn't I didn't let Michael Parsons off the thread. I, he was still on there. I came in there and I basically said, hey, come to Kansas City. I know you will definitely win 100% with Mahomes, Kelsey, and Big Red. We have the best barbecue in the world if you're into that type of thing. And we have the loudest fans. Come to Kansas City. It's a no-brainer. And then he responds and says, it's not out of the question. And this isn't really breaking news because even weeks ago when the Chiefs traded for a Kadarius Tony, our great friend Nate Taylor even tweeted and said, this is not a sign that they're out on OBJ. In actuality, he said it still may be the preferred destination. And that may surprise outsiders because they're probably like, why do you need other receiver? And that's all I've been seeing in my mentions from obviously Cowboys fans. They're pretty upset at me right now. But they were saying, why do you need another receiver? Why are you guys being so greedy? You just got Kadarius Tony. Well, the thing is, Tony is more about the future. Now, obviously, He's still going to be used this year, as you saw uh, last week. They threw it to him the first play of the game. So it's not to say he's not going to be used this year as well, but he's under contract for the next two years. And after this season, the Chiefs only have him, Sky Moore, and NVS under contract in that receiving room. And I think they have an out on NVS potentially after this year as well. So weird, funky thing in his contract. So... Obviously, they're probably going to want to resign Juju. McCall Hardman most likely is gone with Tony. And if you bring in OBJ, it's most likely just a rental. But he did say on a podcast recently he wants to go somewhere and, you know, kind of just settle down and, you know, not be hopping from team to team. But I don't see no team giving him a multi-year contract right now. I think they want to see him play the rest of the season to see if he can stay healthy. And then after the year, then they'll reevaluate and try to bring them on for another year or two. So I think that's the most likely scenario. But the Chiefs are obviously in the hunt because if you look at it, and he's complained about this as well, and I think this is a real thing in his mind. He doesn't want to, he doesn't like playing on turf. And you know, in the Super Bowl, obviously in SoFi Stadium, he yeah. got hurt on turf. The Cowboys playing at turf, Chiefs obviously play on grass. I think that is a real thing with a guy coming off an ACL two years in a row that you probably want to avoid as much as you can. Also, like I said before, it's hard to say no to Mahomes and Reed twice. We have multiple examples of that being the case. Melvin Ingram, even though that was a trade, still. Uh, Juju, he said no the first time, came in the second time. And then you got the thing in Buffalo right now. Is Josh Allen really healthy? I mean, I know they're saying he's day-to-day, but that's a serious injury. You don't want to rush that. So that may deter him from going to Buffalo. That's a real thing you got to monitor. So when you really break it down, Green Bay, who's going to want to go to Green Bay right now? Obviously, he's not going to the Rams. So the market is really open for the Chiefs to get him. I don't think it's unrealistic when you really look at the possible teams that he could go to. I think you covered it well, and I want to congratulate you and Odell for, uh, you know, linking up for a, a mention on the timeline. That 
generated some some shockwaves there. We've talked about this a couple of times on this platform. I don't think either of our opinions have really changed. I don't think he's coming to Kansas City. I think Kansas City is doing their due diligence and being in the mix, as you mentioned. But Odell Beckham Jr. to me seems like a guy who wants a multi-year deal, and I don't think Kansas City is in the business of handing out multi-year. Right now, well, see, and and here's the benefit for OBJ replying to your tweet and doing what he's been doing uh, th this entire NFL season, right? More teams, more value, more bidders. If if I can make the Cowboys think that Casey is entertaining giving me a multi-year deal, maybe that forces them into thinking all right, into pulling the trigger and saying, all right, we'll give you two. Um, I don't think any team who's smart would do it, but I think a lot of teams who are close this year and can see themselves needing a wideout next year, which Kansas City fits in, why not? See if we're in the ball game. See if we're see see if the money works. KC obviously has the, the wiggle room to be able to do it cap-wise, but, uh, I, and I've said this before, at what cost? You're taking away snaps. You're taking away targets from your other investments that you've made time into you got to simplify the offense for him to be able to come in and contribute. I, I, I don't see it happening. I don't see it working out, but it, it got you a couple of retweets. So that's why we brought it up on the platform, I guess. They're just not very creative right now in the run game. The chiefs at, at all. I mean, it is pretty clear how they run it. It seems like they run it on like three or four different ways. That is the same all the time. It seems like they run out of the shotgun all the time and try to run the same type of run plays, and it is clearly, clearly uh, easy to detect. I mean, I think his name's David Long Jr., 05-1 for the Titans. Every single one of the run plays, he was coming shot out of a cannon, and he could see exactly what it was. There is no creativity. It, it's not just guys getting their ass kicks up front. But the same things that they tried to do against Tampa, they tried in this game. But there's a thing, like, you've got to mix it up. There's got to be different ways that you run the football. And with how creative those guys are on that offensive staff, it just has to be better and more creative than what they're doing. So I, I, I almost put more of it at the feet of them and their create lack of creativity in the run game right now. When you take into account the opponent, Ron, what do you think was the best offensive performance by the Chiefs this year? Taking okay. into account what they went up I against. I think the Bucks. The Bucks. I th that's what I think I would probably go with as well. And the reason why is because it was it was everything, right? Like you had the running game and the passing game married, and they they were able to do it all. On the ground that day, you had Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 19 carries for 95 yards. You had Pacheco. That was one of his breakout performances, 11 carries for 63 yards. And then for whatever reason, they what they were doing in that game, it's not just the production, right? I'm not doing the box score game-watching thing. No, like they were doing different things schematically in that game. And they've completely gotten away from it. They like showed it for a game and then it was like, oh, okay, they're, they're going to do the gap scheme stuff. And then it was just gone. It disappeared as quickly as it reappeared. And I don't understand why it worked against one of the better run defenses in the league. And now against these other opponents that they're going up against, they've just completely abandoned all of those things. Now, some of this I think is as simple as, their best run blocker just in terms of like the, the pure ability is Trey Smith. And I think he's hurt. And I think he has not played very well this season. And as a result of that, I think they're not getting the same push up front. So that's part of it. I, I think that's a big part of what we're watching here. But another part 
to your point is just their their schematics their what they're trying to accomplish with their running game is awful he just hasn't worked so far this year so that's something that against the Jaguars, this is a defense that you should be able to run against. Their defensive line's super talented, but I was going to say it's not a bad defensive line. No, it's okay. They're, they're a de- they've got some talent on that side of the ball, but this is not an imposing group. And then over the next couple of weeks against the Chargers and Rams, man, those teams would love nothing more than for you to run right up the gut. They they will give you everything in the running game. So this is where it should start to get corrected. I don't need them to run for a buck 50 against the Jags, but just show a little bit something compared to what they've been. Cause it's been awful. It can't be 14 yards. Sort of. No, yeah. I mean, I it mean can't be that. yeah, it can't be that bad, but I think some of it gets put on the running backs. Right. And I think that the chiefs have no idea who the best running back on their team is right now. Like, like, I think that's pretty clear. They want it to be Isaiah Pacheco, but I don't know that it is. And we had such high hopes for him coming into the season. Like, Let's be real here. So far, he looks like we've seen some pop from him. We've seen that, yes, he is explosive. He runs really hard, but he runs into tackles like 90% of the time. <laughs> like, like he does not, he's not shifty. He doesn't dodge. He doesn't find the lanes. Like, he just doesn't have very much vision as a player. And Clyde's not explosive. Jarek McKinnon is probably the best at both things but the chiefs are afraid that he's not going to stay healthy if they give him too many snaps. And so they're trying to figure all of that stuff out right now. And I would argue that the bucks game, the reason they approach it that way had more to do with game script and saying this Tampa Bay defense was more exploitable against the run, which we have seen this season. They have been over the last like four years, like they're they're worse against the run this season. They have been over the last several years where they've been a top three run defense in the NFL And so I think the Chiefs just saw that, exploited it for that particular matchup because it was not something you would expect from the Chiefs, right? Like, you never expect the Chiefs in a primetime game against a team like that. Oh, they're just going to come out and smack you in the face with the running game. And so I think that had more to do with the game plan, and they're fine throwing the ball, but it's just a matter of getting the blocking figured out and figuring out which running back needs to be on the field more, because I don't think they have any idea right now is what I'm gauging by every single week. We've got this three running back by committee and none of them are really accomplishing anything with any of the snaps that they're getting. Yeah. They they were getting hit straight up in the backfield. Like in that, I mean, in that game, like, I mean, it was like, I, I, I can hear you. I, I'm not a huge fan of, of Pacheco's vision. I think he misses holes often in cutbacks. But many times they're like, oh, God, it was a four-yard gain, which if he had good vision, it would have been more. There was no gain to be had in this game. And I and, and and to me, it wasn't just guys getting their asses kicked up front. It was guys oh. detecting it, like, immediately. I mean, David Long Jr., I felt like every running play was in the backfield on the handoff. The Titans like, run shit, defense is legitimately shot out of a can. It's legitimate. It's, it's, it's really good. It's legitimate. I watched one of the sorriest teams in the NFL play them the week before and 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 get yards. They didn't get yards. That's they the thing. Open. Like you don't, you didn't don't need them to yards. run over them. You just needed them to be to look competent, to keep yourself to keep the Titans honest. And that's that's something like by the end of the second half or by the end of the first half, the Chiefs knew like they we can't run to, the ball. Yeah, they had to throw it in the trash. That can't be that can't be what the what they're doing. And they gotta 
They got to get better than that. Hey, any concern? I know you guys. Boy, I know this is going to be hard for you. What's the word, Serta, on McCole Hardman? There's there's potential that he may not go in this game, right? I know he didn't practice on Wednesday and Thursday. It's not a great sign. He he popped up on the injury report on Wednesday with an abdominal injury. He has not practiced this week. Uh, We'll see what happens on on Friday afternoon. But the way the Chiefs tend to play these things is like – they generally are not like, oh, well, he practiced in limited fashion. Now he's questionable and he might play on Sunday. I would tend to lean towards he's probably not going to be available if he hasn't practiced Wednesday or Thursday this week. Yeah, four touchdowns in the last two games for him. Uh, he has been one of their their best offensive players this year. And, uh, I mean, they've got guys. Tony, obviously, who they just brought in. Sky Moore, uh, who I'm not sure I'm not sure where Woo. he is in their minds right now. I know where he is on yours, but I mean, Most underutilized offensive weapon on the team, if you ask me, in the league. <laughs> um, but McCole Hardman, I know for even you guys and even most people listening at the start of the season, probably didn't think it would be an important loss if he's not playing in a game. It would be very important. I think they should hold him out. I think that they should they can be able to get past the Jags without him to make sure he gets right and to be back the week after. But I mean, he has been a huge part of this offense. As I said, four touchdowns in the last two games. I mean, it, 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 there's somebody's got to pick up for what he's doing. I don't like saying this, Ron. This is sad. why. Because I don't like giving you credit. But I will give credit where it is due, not only to you, but to McCall Hardman. Just give it to McCall, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. But you can go ahead and give it to me as well. Did, if you need to. to drop a wide open, crucial third down conversion against the Titans. We don't need that now. We don't need that right now at all. There's no reason. It's just I don't know why you're rooting against it. Hit him right in the face, Matt. I don't know McCall why you're rooting Hardman, against it has basically become their Sammy Watkins. And they needed a Sammy Watkins. Now, he goes about it a little bit differently. Yes, he's utilized more in that gadget role, and he's not winning with, like, the physicality or anything. But these are his game logs over the last four weeks, Ron. Four catches on five targets for 73 yards. The next week, three catches, 42 yards on four targets, had a touchdown. Then that San Francisco game, which was impressive, four out of four on the targets, 32 yards, had a touchdown through the air, added two more on the ground. And then this past week, caught six of his nine targets for 79 yards and a touchdown. He's caught at least 66% of his targets in each of his last eight games for the Chiefs. And they had to have all of them. A lot of those are close to the line of scrimmage, so they should be higher percentage targets. But that has not always been the case with McColl because previously there were some times where it would be like a four-game stretch where he's catching 50% of his his targets. McColl Hardman has been really good for the Chiefs this year, and they've needed him to be really good this year. So I'll give him that credit, and I will be very curious to see if he does end up missing what they do and if I had to project, Ron, my guess would be you see a little bit more of Kadarius Tony than Sky Moore this week. Oh hell, we saw a lot. We saw a lot more. 
I believe we saw a lot more of Kadarius Tony than I thought we were going to see against the Titans. Hell, he was there on the first drive. He only played so, nine snaps, but it felt like you noticed him on every single one of those snaps. Meanwhile, Sky Moore finished with 26, and I think you might have noticed him on like two of those. Sky Moore was out there for 26 snaps? Apparently. I didn't. I, it didn't feel that I'm way. Sorry, it did I, not I feel that way. That I'm not even trying to be be funny. I, I, 26 snaps? They isolate the, the way that they put him on the field, Ron, is almost more discouraging than the fact that he's not getting on the field very often. When he's out there, he's on like the backside of the play, completely isolated, and they typically don't even look his direction. He's just he's a distraction out there. It, it it's it's surprising to me. I didn't expect it to go this route, but if I had to guess, I think Kadarius Tony's going to get more targets this Absolutely. week than Sky Moore will. Listen, McCole. As much as uh, as sort of despises it, McColl, he's fine. He's a fine offensive weapon. It's not a wide McC- receiver. He's actually a really good number three wide receiver for them this year. McColl, N- number three pass catcher. Yeah, behind number Travis and, and yeah. Listen, he's a wide receiver. I don't know what you're doing. Um, he's, there he's is a really good job. There is as an offensive weapon. And season. listen, and here's the deal: is you rattle off those numbers, and he's been. He he's been wide open where Mahomes has not given him a chance to drop it to where he'd have been like he had a walk-in touchdown that Mahomes just missed him in in this game against the Titans that would raise his numbers mm-hmm. again. And that's not the first time that he has been rolling in the middle of the field open or times where he's been missed. Um so I, I think I think the biggest thing for him is for this team wide receiver wise. There is nobody that gets more consistent separation than him. Like that than him. Like MVS does sometimes. And Juju's out here, boy. Hey, uh, man, Pat's out here throwing darts uh, and having hit him. Like with, with, with people, he's not grabbing a lot of separation. But nobody consistently as a wide receiver gets more separation than him, which is should be make for easier throws. Yes, that ball hit him in the face mask. But he ran that guy off of covers. That guy wasn't in the camera screen, right? And that that one drop is disappointing that Sert is hanging on to God's unchanging hand for some reason. <laughs> but it, it, <laughs> I don't know why. But like it, it, it's clear they're gonna they're they're they they're going to miss him. And I, I'm with you, BK. I think Kadarius Tony is the best person to replace that whatever it is you want to call it wide receiver play weapon play whatever whatever has resulted into four touchdowns in the last two games and not to mention another wide open one that they just missed on i mean they've got to somebody's got to fill that up because they're like they don't win these games if he doesn't play the last two weeks I'm they sorry. can overcome this against jacksonville but it, like if they were playing that's against why i think Cincinnati, you don't play him yeah. agreed if they were playing like week 13 they travel to cincinnati to take on the bengals and i i don't know i would imagine at that point jamar chase will be back if they didn't have him against the bengals with jamar chase i think it would be a really big deal and we'd be talking about it as potentially being a significant factor and whether or not they win or lose the game and i I didn't see that coming this season. I know you did, Ron, and that's why I got to give you your props. I don't like doing it, but I did not foresee this being the case. And and this will be interesting to see is, like we thought Kadarius Tony could be all for next year. If they had plans for Sky Moore, is Kadarius Tony filling the void of whatever those plans are? And this, if Hardman doesn't play, especially this week, is a, is a good gauge to see that. 